And good evening to you. Good evening. This is, uh, it's funny, DJ said, I almost said good morning. I almost said good morning to you. We're so used to meeting in the morning. Uh, of course, uh, we're not able to because Sunday, this Sunday is Christmas, and there are no workers to help us at the school, which is why we're meeting here on a Friday night. So it's a little bit different, but doesn't this just feel cool? Evening, a little bit nippy outside, got some cool lights going on. And um, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love Christmas. Um, it's amazing to me how we are singing these Christmas carols, but guess what? So is the rest of the world. Think about that. So this is the time where everybody has to deal with the fact that Jesus was a historical figure, whether you believe in him or not. Our whole world system, our, our calendar system is based on him. So A.D., B.C., Ado Domini, right, before Christ, and then the year of our Lord is what that means. It doesn't mean after death. A lot of people think it means after death, and it doesn't. And so our whole calendar system is based on a figure. His name is Jesus. And so the whole world is um, celebrating or not, uh, but that's okay because I think we got the upper hand on this one. Amen. And so uh, I'll take it. And so um, I'm going to recap a little bit. The last four weeks we've been going through our Christmas series. It's called The Light has come. I'm going to recap that here in a minute, but um, I want to reflect on a, Christmas, a time of Christmas. I was in 10th grade, and uh, <clears throat> me and my stepsister, she was a year older than me, and we uh, had this thing worked out where we would sneak out of our house, and we would take my dad's Mustang. <laughs> you young people don't get any ideas. And so we would sneak out of our window, which is on the side of the house. So if you were looking and facing our house, you would see the front door and the, and the carport. We had a carport at the time. It wasn't a garage. Uh, and then on the right side is where the bedrooms were, our bedrooms. And so the house was built on a slope, so the front was level land. But as you got closer to the back, the land began to decline a little bit. And so we would sneak out the side window, um, and then we would walk around to the car, and we would push the car out into the street because it was a Mustang. It was loud. We'd push it out to the street and then start it where my parents couldn't hear it. And then we would take the car. And then we had another thing where we took turns. Who stole the car on certain weekends? And so we were busy because we were out of school. It was Christmas. We were in our Christmas break. And, um, and so one particular night, it was my stepsister's turn to steal the Mustang, and she did. And so I had called my friends uh, and told them what time to come by and that I would sneak out. And so my house, because it was on the decline on the, on the land, I had to put a five-gallon paint bucket to get out the windows and then feel until I felt the bucket, and then I would get out, and then I would slowly close the window, and then I would sneak out. And so my parents caught on, and my dad decided to meet me one night as I was sneaking back in. And so on the side of my house, we had a street light, but my neighbor's house had this big tree that blocked the light. And so my, where my window was, there was a shadow cast, and I, and I couldn't see a, a whole lot. And so I remember one night climbing up on the five-gallon bucket, sliding the window open really, really quiet, separating the curtain, getting my first leg in. Now, 
back when I was a teenager, they didn't have these little Bluetooth things. We had full-size speakers. And so I had saved up my money, and I bought this stereo cabinet. And so I had these big speakers, and I would put my right hand on the speaker. On the left side was my desk next to my closet where my chair was. And I would put my hand on the chair, and then I would work my other leg in, and I would go through. And then my room being messy, I knew where everything was. Kids, how many know where your stuff is in your room? And your mom comes to clean, and you're like, where is it? I left it on the floor for a reason. Well, this particular night, I sneak into my room. I put my right hand on the speaker. One leg is in. I'm kind of hanging on my thighs, leaning on the window. But my chair's not there. And I'm going, something's not right. So I'm fumbling in. I'm pulling the curtain. I, my, my, the, the team that I played football for in high school, I had this wooden sign that said, go big green. That fell, made a lot of noise. I'm thinking, okay, I'm really in trouble now. Everybody heard that. And so I get into my room, and I'm trying to navigate. The funny thing is, when you come from one element of dark into another, and your eyes aren't adjusted, and so I snuck in the room, and it's weird how when you sneak in the room, and it's pitch black, you think the wider you open your eyes, the better you can see. It doesn't work. So I get in, and I'm going... I get in, and I hear this deep voice go, you can get shot doing that. And I froze. My dad's eyes were completely adjusted. He sat there and watched me sneak in the whole time, right? You know, you've seen the people wearing the VR, and they're like playing, and they're like doing all, that's what I look like, I'm sure. The father who I grew up with who adopted me was this big black guy. To hear that voice go, you can get shot doing that. And I was going, oh my God, Jesus, please. I almost had a heart attack and I stood up and said, what's up, dad? <laughs> and you know what he did? He got out the room, shut the door and left and let me just soak in what I did. And I'm thinking he's going to kill me tomorrow. I know I'm going to get grounded. I'll never see my friends again. But how many know light is important? Light is important to, to navigate, to see where you are, to, to, to go through just about anything. And so we've been on this series called The Light Has Come. Let me just recap the last few weeks for you. We talked about how we need light. It's a necessity. All of our lives, this this planet that we live on, everything hinges on the fact that we have a light source. Without it, there is no life. Light is so amazing and powerful that it has the ability to transform things. Photosynthesis scientifically might make sense to you. It makes absolutely no sense to me. It's amazing that a plant can take sunlight, turn it into food, live off of it, and then we even rely on that. It's amazing. We need light. We read out of John 1.1, 1, 1, who was a very creative author. He didn't write about donkeys. He didn't write about the, 
the bright Christmas star. He didn't talk about the manger. He wrote differently. He talked about the light. He said in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Not anything was made that was made. In him was life and the darkness. The darkness. Uh, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love the way he chose three words to really either throw everybody off or get everybody's attention. And he said, in the beginning. What does that sound like to you? You ever heard that before, in the beginning? Sounds like Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And so to get everybody's attention, when he talked about Jesus, it wasn't the wise man followed the star. It was none of that. He said, in the beginning, threw everybody for a loop, and everybody's now going, was the word. Well, Genesis says, in the beginning, God. And he was making a reference and a connection. Those three words, it's the foundation of life. Life has the power to transform then Pastor Matt came and hit a home run, talking about how the light, the Messiah himself, is comfortable in our mess. How many of you have ever been in a mess in your life, either by your own doing or by a no doing of your own? I remember inviting a friend of mine to church, saying, hey man, you should, you should really come. He said, man, I really want to, but you know what, I just gotta, I gotta clean myself up first. And I was like, hello, that's the point. You can't. You can't clean up yourself. That's the whole point of the light, the whole point of why Jesus came. But no matter what you're going through, he's quite comfortable in your mess. And thank God he's comfortable in mine. We're going to read these verses later, so I won't reference it now. We talked about how Jesus is the true light. John 1, 9 through 12 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You ever, when you were growing up as a kid, either you used to say or somebody else said, you know, we need to all love each other because we're all children of God. Remember that phrase? We think we all qualify just by, I don't know, automatic, through birth. This verse here tells me there's a prerequisite that not everybody is. And so the thing about the light is it's pure and it's true. And it allows us to see the way things really are. And so if you don't have the light and the truth, you wouldn't know this, what we just talked about. But Jesus is the true light. Characteristics of light, it naturally illuminates, right? I mean, just look up. Because of the light, we see other things. So that nothing else is hidden. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun. Not because I can see it, but because by it I can see everything else. This is the characteristic of the true light. When Jesus says, I am the light, 
and I have come. He's not just saying, look, I'm now your source. He's saying, now let me show you the way things really are. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit. I wanted to get a little bit traditional tonight since the author John, the apostle John, wasn't very traditional. I want to read the Christmas story as we are familiar with it. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to jump into verse 3. And then we're going to read till verse 20. And then, you know, I think I'll, uh, I'll point to a few characters. We'll pull out some nuggets um, and I'll pr- I pray that these will apply to you. Um, I'll, I'll, it'll probably go very fast, to be honest with you. But I, we have some other things uh, planned. You might have got a candle uh, when you came in. Um, dads, do not be tempted to turn those on and play with them, okay? Because I, I, I'm already feeling the, the tug myself. So make sure those are off. We're going to give you instructions on, on what to do and how to do that. But I believe it's going to be a night that is marked uh, by the motions that we go through. But it'll be... Um, memorable and that we can apply some things here. So Luke chapter 2, verse 3, we know the story. All went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Verse 8. And in the same region. Oh, wait. Verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. I cannot skip that part because we're going to touch on this, I think. And laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, the true light of Christmas is available to everyone. Right? We know this. It's available to everyone. But there is a way that we can harness or benefit from the light. So some people benefit from the light and some don't. The Bible talks about this, but I'm going to take a stab 
and try to explain this through some of the characters that we see in this Christmas story. So uh, why don't we start with some of the main characters? Let's take Mary, the the mother of Jesus. In chapter 1, we read chapter 2, but before all of that happened, in chapter 1, an angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to have a baby. Biologically, scientifically, whatever you want to say, logically, it was impossible. And she's having this conversation with the angel, and she's saying, how? Have you ever talked to God and questioned him? Have you ever talked to God and doubted him? This is what Mary's going through. But the angel says something very important. We've heard this before, but I want you to mark it tonight. And that's that nothing is impossible with God. Now, in the same chapter, chapter 1, before what we just read, chapter 2, there are other characters named Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they were kind of in the same situation. An angel shows up and says to Zacharias and his wife that you're going to give birth to a child. Kind of the same situation, just a little bit different. He said, that's impossible. I'm old. My wife is old. Old enough to perhaps have been through menopause. And so, again, biologically, logically, in our mind, we're thinking that there's no way. And it even got to the point where they were laughing as they were doubting. You ever heard something that wasn't true and it was like so not true that it was funny? That's what they were going through. And then here's what the angel said. The angel said, you shall not, uh, you shall be silent and unable to speak until it happens because you did not believe my words. He told us this Zacharias and he couldn't speak until the birth of his son, which we knew was uh, John the Baptist later on. And so we have two situations. One is Mary, one Zacharias and, and his wife, both doubted. Both similar situations. Same scenario. The same possibility, which was impossible. Say impossible. It was impossible. So he's old. Mary was a virgin. Imagine Mary saying, you know, I had, you know, look, how does this work? I've never been with a man. You know, and imagine, you know, Pastor Matt, you know, he preached this message on, you know, you know, Jesus being comfortable in our mess. Imagine being Joseph with a pregnant teenager. And he goes, that's not mine. They go, sure, Joseph, that's not yours. Imagine having to explain that. And it got to the point where even Joseph was saying, you know what? This ain't going to work. And he was going to secretly divorce her. An angel had to show up to him also. So why did one receive discipline? And the other receive a miracle. Because both doubted, the Bible says. Let me just say this. When you're facing a challenge or an impossibility, or maybe you're in need of a miracle, and I don't know what your situation is. Maybe I don't know what your mess is. But whatever it is, remember this. That both of them doubted. Both of them questioned. And we've done the same. But when you're facing a challenge like that, Remember that the impossibility is basically one doubt led to further doubt. Another doubt led to obedience. 
And so Mary said, when, when the angel said, when she said, how are we going to do this? This is impossible. And the angel told her the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And through him, you're going to give birth because of the power of God, supernatural. She said, me, your bondservant, let it be, say, uh, let it be done as, as, as the Lord says. And sometimes when we're faced with a challenge or a situation and we stand before God, either our doubt is going to lead us further away or our doubt is going to lead us to just trust and submit. And so one led to a miracle and the other one led to discipline. Let's talk about the shepherds. It says, in the region, in verse 8, were shepherds in the field. And in the same region, uh, I'll just read the verse to you in verse 8. Um, I don't know if uh, the media team is ready to go there because I'm kind of doing this on the fly. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear because typically in the Old Testament, when an angel showed up, it had to do with judgment. So when an angel shows up, you're going, oh, man, God, what did I do now? It says they had great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then verse 12, and I want you to note this. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the sign was a baby wrapped in cloths. Now, when you think about a baby, how many have had a baby, have a baby, uh, but you, you've wrapped them in something? right? That's not unheard of. That's normal. But this angel says, that's going to be a sign to you. And so these shepherds show up. They see this baby wrapped in cloth. Now, in those days, think about this. The angel is communicating something that the shepherds would understand. See, we miss it because we're not shepherds. But back then, in order for a lamb to be sacrificed either for sin, atonement, anything, a lamb sacrificed to God, it had to be uh, perfect. It had to be without blemish, without stain or wrinkle, the Bible says. Uh, and so uh, when they found a lamb that qualified as a sacrifice, they would wrap it in cloth in order to keep it that way so that it doesn't skin itself up, it doesn't fall, it doesn't get dirty because it's wrapped and it's protected. And that told them that that lamb is to be a sacrifice for something. The sign for the shepherds was that they showed up to Jesus and saw that this is the Savior of the world, a perfect lamb that's going to be sacrificed, not just for us, but for you and for me. Imagine that. And so these shepherds, what's the big deal? They got it. The sinless, perfect Son of God came to this earth to die. That's not a very bright Christmas message, is it? But that's, that's the truth. The spotless lamb, he's perfect in order to redeem us. That's what it was required. You know, this light that we talk about, it creates a lot of dilemmas in our life. Because when the light shows up, we have to figure out what we're going to do with it. We're not talking about these. These are limited. We're talking about an infinite light. 
And so when Jesus shows up and he says, I am the light, I am the gift, let's bring it into Christmas perspective, I am the gift. How many know when you, somebody's presented with a gift, you can reject it? A gift must be received. Somebody gives me something good, I unwrap it and I own it. It is, right? How many have ever regifted something? You're like, oh, thank you, you're so thoughtful. We're giving this away next year, right? A gift can be rejected. And it creates these dilemmas. And so Mary was in a dilemma. She had to figure out, am I going to go through with this? Joseph was in a dilemma. He had to figure out, am I going to go through with this? Zechariah, Elizabeth, they had to figure out. And sometimes Jesus shows up to us and we want to receive him. But we have to figure out, are we going to go through with this? Let's talk about one more, one more person. He would be later on in chapter 2 and then into chapter 3. Uh, his name is Simeon. Not only does the light create dilemmas, it creates, the light can be polarizing sometimes. We live in a society now that is so polar. Man, you believe one thing, and all of a sudden you're not, included in this camp anymore and I've seen great friends I've seen family members I've seen their relationships fall apart because there's either one or the other and it's like man can't we all just get along and so Jesus there's an element of that this light that we that we see so Simeon benefited from the light because the Bible says he was righteous and devout Righteous and devout. He was looking for the Savior, the Bible says, and it described him as being righteous and devout. And so righteousness means living a life that seeks to please him. That's, that's really what righteousness is. I mean, we are not righteous on our own. The Bible says his blood makes us righteous. Nothing we can do. But, but as we live, we want to live a lifestyle that is pleasing to him, if that makes sense. If you love God and you're following him and that's with all your heart, that's, that's what happens. We, we live a life that we hope is worthy to represent him. And then to be devout means to be fully committed. So he was righteous, he was devout. And how many know when it comes time to die, uh, we want to be able to see Jesus, right? And so as we talk about this gift, that's part of it, is being able to see him. When it comes time, we want to see him. But verse 34 has this, has this warning. And Simeon blessed them. He says, Mary, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many. And so we like the, we like the baby Jesus, as I said last week. We like the baby Jesus, but the king Jesus we have a problem with. Because a king has order. And a king, how many know what I'm talking about? And so Simeon is saying that the commitment to Jesus for those who follow him will be polarizing. And, and let me talk to those who love God and who follow God because, because we don't want to experience the polarizing feeling or effect. We, we follow God just close enough to be safe but far enough so that others don't figure it out. I don't know if you've ever been that way, but I have. When there's a moment where I could have shared or said something, but I didn't. 
And so we never talk about Jesus to reveal him. Unless we're around people that we know we're safe with. And so we end up choosing a generic God. And we end up living a generic life with a generic relationship because it's just enough for us to be safe. But the problem is if we keep ourselves just enough to be safe, it's not enough for someone else to hear or be safe either. And we're talking about the Christmas story, and this is what it's all about, really. And so, you know, I was reminded um, how in Matthew 10 it says, you know, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. You ever heard that? Right? If you, if you affirm me, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you, you know, in front of my father. And so, and so what I'm really trying to get at is to, uh, you know, challenge us a little bit, but to also encourage us that Christmas is more than just receiving the light. Christmas is about bringing the light and sharing the light. And so in order to benefit, in order to benefit from the light, there must be more than belief. There must be more than belief. We must be willing to identify, if that makes sense. Because that's the, that's the hard part. That's the problem. And I'll be honest with you guys. I go through that sometimes. You're a pastor, if I can be honest with you. There's times where I have an opportunity to identify him with, and I, and I don't, and I, and I don't, and I ask God for his forgiveness, you know, after that. But how many know if you want the power of the light, you have to own it? We're talking about benefiting from all that he has. I mean, our relationship. I mean, if we want to spend eternity with him, it's a matter of owning the gift that he Gave us. And finally, we talked about last week, and I just want to repeat it again that in the end, the light wins. We're not talking about the the temporary stuff, even the most powerful light, most powerful man made light is right here in Las Vegas at the Luxor. You can see it from outer space. But we're not talking about that light. Those lights are limited. The the light we're talking about is infinite. It rings throughout eternity. And the Bible says that this light is so powerful that one day, the revelation says this, one day we won't need any other light because he will be our light. He will light everything for us. Can you imagine that? But this is the light that we have access to. It sounds too good to be true. It really sounds amazing, but y'all, this is the gift that God wants to give us. And so this light shows us everything, reveals everything. And I hope that some of us here are starting to get it and understand it. Because, I mean, man, it, it's just, it's an incredible thing to have and to, to have access to and to be able to say that None of it was on our own. We, we don't deserve this, but this is the gift that, that he brought to us. So at the end, light always wins because it's infinite. It's infinite in its power. If you want the miraculous power of this light, 
It means owning it. It's infinite in its reach, which means that with or without you and I, it's going to go on. It's going to spread. But, you know, I think the better deal is for us to help, help spread it. I want to be on that team and not on the other. So um, let me just pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for our visitors. Thank you for all who showed up. And, and Lord, I know that, Lord, this whole series, as we talked about Christian, uh, Christmas, it wasn't um, traditional in a sense. Uh, but, Lord, it was, it was a lot of truth and a lot of uh, just revelation. And, Father, I pray that we got something from this series. But, Lord, I pray that tonight there would be grace for those who don't know you or maybe those who once knew you to follow you once again, uh, Father, because that's what Christmas is about. Lord, I pray for your grace, and I pray for these people here. Uh, and I pray for our city and our nation, Lord, and the rest of the world, which you came for. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a video for you. I'm going to ask you if you would just focus on the screen, and, uh, and then we'll continue after that. The absence of light. The loss of direction. No frame of reference. The presence of fear and uncertainty. Void. And then, a light. It starts as a flicker. It's not glaring for all to see, but it's a light nonetheless. Beautiful and mysterious, helping us to see, guiding us, warming us, comforting us. It is growing. It is shining brighter now. In one timeless moment, something of heaven is birthed through the tears of a teenage girl and the cry of a newborn baby king. All of heaven is perched at the edge of the sky, watching, waiting. God is sending the light of heaven into the dark of this world. To the young, to the old, to the weak, to the strong, to the lost, to the found. He is coming to us. He is walking with us. He is dying for us. He is living in us. Our unthinkable darkness is being shattered by unbearable light. And we gather to see, to view with fresh eyes again, the light that all the darkness in the world cannot ever extinguish. Jesus is the light of the world.
if you would pull out your candles. And twist the bottom. No, no, no. Oh, wait. You know what? I already messed up. Turn off your candles. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, Turn it off. Say, See, I told you. Okay, turn it off, turn it off, kids. Dads, turn it off. I'm going to send your daddy on you. Turn him off. I wanted to do a, something that was symbolic. And, and then we're going to read some verses together. But I know that these are not real candles. And real candles, you would have to touch them together to... Uh, light another one so the flame would have to touch the wick of another candle in order to uh, to light but out of symbolism and as a reminder to us that not only is Jesus the light of the world he said you are the light of the world and he told us not to hide our light and we're going to read some verses that remind us of that but I want to do that just as a gesture of faith to God that the light that we have and that we, we represent, that he gives us, that we will be faithful to bring that light and to spread it to, some, to someone else, to others, okay? So I'm going to start, and the rule is this. You cannot turn on your candle unless somebody else touches their candle to yours. All right, got it? Makes sense, okay? I'm not that smart, but I get it. All right, so here we go. I'm going to start, and then I'll be down there here in a second. Okay, and so just like that. Okay, and this will speed up here in a second. Pastor Matt needs some help, so I'm going to walk over to him. All right. Don't be afraid to get out of your chair. Don't be afraid to approach somebody that you don't know. Just be bold like Jesus calls us to be. And then when you're done go back to your chair or you can just stay with the group that you're with alright has everybody been touched by somebody yeah alright if you can would you stand up to your feet oh no no let's keep the lights let's keep the lights down it's so beautiful turn it down turn off the lights I want to read some verses together with you. Read them out loud with me. Isaiah 9-2 is where we're going to start. We're going to put it up on the screen. Read this with me. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Go to verse 6 of Isaiah 9. We can go to verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. I'm freaking out the media team right now. Okay. 
It says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me read one more verse to you, and then we're going to jump into some others. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, John 8, 12. I think the media team is with me now. Let's read this together. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Read it with me. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can you do two more? Acts chapter 13, verse 47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. John 1. We're going to read just verse 4 and 5. It says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, we thank you for leaving the comforts of heaven. Lord, for looking down and, and seeing our mess and this world that we live in that is so dark and still being obedient to come to save us. Jesus, we say thank you. We don't take this lightly. This gift that you've given us allows us to see you later in eternity and we declare here tonight from our own mouths, we say, God, we don't want anybody else to miss out. This light that you've given us, Father, help us not to hide it, but Lord, help us to bring it and to light it with others. Give us, Lord, an anointing to share our faith, an ability to share our faith. Lord, and I pray that you would amaze us and surprise us with what you do when we dare to share who you are. Lord, I pray that this Christmas, it wouldn't be just the typical. It wouldn't just be the same uh, going through the motions. And Lord, we love family. We love fellowship. And we love the, all that it means. But Lord, I pray that this Christmas will go a little bit deeper in our hearts. Lord, to the point where it changes us. Allow us to be different. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if there's anybody here, just bow your heads just for another second. If you're here and you know in your heart, some of you, I don't even have to say this, but if you're in your heart, you're saying, man, God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not right with you. It's a little bit dark in this corner that I'm in, but I want to come back. Or if you don't know him, maybe this is the first time you've ever been in, involved in anything like this or that you first time you've observed anything like this and it's all brand new and I'm here to tell you that Jesus died for you so that he can have a relationship with you and if you're here today and you want to know God in a brand new way
with nobody looking around. I'm going to try my best. Would you raise your hand so that I can pray with you? We're going to pray all together. Is that anybody? Is that anybody? Can we just say this prayer? Say, Jesus, thank you for your gift of life. I admit I'm wrong and you're right. I believe in you and I ask you to come into my heart to change me because you've forgiven me simply because I asked. Give me the ability to follow you, to represent you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.